Welcome to Authentic Living with Roxanne on Global Voice Radio. Join Roxanne Durhage and her thought-provoking conversations, the catalyst to live your life to the fullest. Hi everyone, it's uh, Roxanne Durhodge again, Roxanne with Living Authentically. Um, so thank you again for uh, tuning in uh, this week. And today um, I have a special guest, his name is Mr. Stephen Clark. Uh, Stephen, um, thanks so much for coming on. Pleasure to be here. Awesome. So Steve, uh, Stephen, I have a bit of a bio, so I'm gonna read some stuff off, but obviously I would like you to let uh, let the listeners know anything that I've missed. Um, Stephen is a former uh, professional hockey player, um, which a lot I know I've spent one too many times on that rink, <laughs> so I can appreciate what that is. Um, you suffered a career-ending uh, knee injury quite young at uh, age 25, went through some issues with depression and um, with lots of help from some significant people in his life, found your next chapter in the advertising world, uh, wow. where you've excelled in both the corporate arena with uh, global giants like Foster Advertising, McLean Hunter, and Sachi and Sachi. And you've also launched and grew um, your own agency into a North American powerhouse before selling it off. Wow, that sounds like a lot of work done there. And um, since then, you've gone on to, um, with your mom's, um, and speaking with your mom, you started a so for-profit social enterprise called the RTG Group, which is focused on feeding the hungry and building homeless shelters in downtown Toronto, uh, which is amazing. I, I can uh, speak a lot to that after working with the police and, and what a need that is. And um, you're a creative thinker and um, you now run a young entrepreneur's mentoring program and you sit on several nonprofit boards um, and your favorite word is mission in life is to be re is to be recognized as someone who's both talked about it and then went on to make it happen wow <laughs> not many people could say that Stephen. so thank you so much again is there anything that i missed i know i've kind of uh, gone by the bio that you said no it's it's great it's um you know it's kind of interesting to sit here and and listen to your life being uh, being talked about and in front of you. But no, that's kind of the, certainly the highlights. Um, you know, I think that, that one of the things I always like to talk to people about, um, you know, I've, often we get the question and I get it all the time when I speak and I do a lot of speaking now. Um, and I'm always asked, you know, if you're a young person, you go back and give yourself one piece of advice, what would it be? Um, and, you know, I wrestled with that for a while and, and now um, it's patience. Um, it's actually quite simple. I, I would be more patient. I would, and when I teach the young people, which is why I really created a, a young mentorship program, and we're just launching Future Generation of Entrepreneurs, which is a new program I created for the universities, um, that we're teaching them now that, it, you know, you have to be patient. Um, everybody wants everything. They want it right away. But if you look at any, anybody great who's, who's accomplished anything, uh, you know, of, of worthiness in life, you can look and it's, it's been done over time. Um, and Warren Buffett was just talking about that not long ago about how his transition and how it took. And it was just like one day at a time. 
and uh, he had to he had to kind of let that happen and and um and that's one of the most frustrating things because especially young people today you'll find that they want it and they want it now and um you know when they don't get it that's where it leads to things where they do get upset and they do get depressed and Mm -hmm. you know i think we kind of live in a world today of depression where people are constantly you know buying lottery tickets and not winning and the next day they're all depressed and uh you know it's an up and down um ride so uh, but, but no, those are certainly the highlights and I've been very fortunate. I've been lucky along the way and, and I've had a lot of help. And I think that that's the other thing that people need to know is there is help out there, uh, for anything. And you just need to be, uh, be willing and able to go out and ask for it. So tell me, so you're obviously you, what, how old were you when you started playing hockey? <laughs> I signed my first professional hockey contact at 19. Um, and, uh, so I played for five years and I blew out my knee and, um, and that was a real, um, that was a real turning point for me, uh, for a number of reasons. And I think that, you know, I'm not alone in this, but as a young person, especially 25 year old, just signed a big, big uh, new contract and, um, and, and was really excited about the next chapter and, and, um, and what ended up happening was it was, it was immediately taken away. I was in, it was a knee injury and I could literally never play again and we never anticipate those things no one ever talks about that no one um ever says uh, back in the day uh, and i'm sure they're doing it today well what if this happens or what if that happens and as young people um and they are i find it today the same is they're you know they're immortal they're going to last forever and they're going to keep doing whatever they're doing because that's just the way it is um, and then, and then all of a sudden you realize it's not the way it is <laughs> and, and it's taken away from you. And that's when, you know, for, for myself, and I, obviously I'm an extremely, uh, uh, positive person, always have been. Um, but you know, I grew up poor. I grew up, you know, kind of on the streets of, of Toronto. Um, family life was, was a little bit strained. Um, my father, you know, had an addiction. Um, my mother worked two jobs. She was, a, she was my, my, uh, my saint. Um, but I was out, out and about all the time. I, you know, did all my, all my, all my things. And like most kind of kids did who didn't grow up, um, you know, in, in money or, or with any type of wealth. And so, um, I had to learn the street, street smarts and all that other stuff. But the reality is, is that we're, you know, we're kind of taught that these are the things and that they're in our control. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's not, and uh, so I, I suffered for the first time in my life at 25, funny enough, I suffered a real uh, setback and I, and I didn't really know how to handle it or I wasn't surrounded either by the people who could help me. So, um, so that was a real challenge in life. And, um, and that was kind of the first, my first real um, experience with depression or, or um, you know, because I'm always up. I'm, I, I've always been up. And, uh, you know, of course, at 19 to 25, I was living the life of my dreams. I was, you know, being paid to play a sport that I just loved. I would have played for nothing. Right. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, it's just taken away. And so a couple, a couple of things happen. Number one is like, why? Why me? You start to feel sorry for yourself. But the other thing is, is which is really scary and i know a lot of people go through this we're going to talk about this more at the show i'm really excited about this um but like what's next Mm -hmm. um and i've had people in in that i've got to know over the years uh, ex-hockey players who weren't able to come up with an answer to that Mm -hmm. and ended up taking their lives um because 
there just there was nothing that left there was there is nothing next uh, that's it this is who i am this is who they've identified themselves with and subsequently you know they and they didn't get the help and and um you know they just ended up taking their own lives so that was a that was an interesting time for me i i was able to after after several months get the help i needed and then i was given that um, the answer to the question, which was the greatest thing for me, what's next? And all of a sudden I was introduced to advertising mm-hmm. and I loved it. I, it was a new passion. And all of a sudden, very quickly, I forgot about hockey. And, uh, and I just realized that, um, you know, and, and I guess to my, the strength of my mind was just able to say, well, that's done. You, you just have to accept that. Um, and I did, and I was able to do that and move on. And I had a great career, obviously, in advertising, and learned a great deal, met a lot of great people, built up my own company, and obviously, um, you know, did well with that. So, but but those are the types of struggles that I had to go through, and um, uh, and until I got the right help and and changed my mindset, um, it was difficult. It was it was a tough time. So tell me about mindset, right? Because. Believe it or not, um, I, I dealt with both hockey leagues. I, de- I dealt with the East Coast Hockey League, league and the AHL for what, okay. when I, when I uh, managed uh, um, at a health and wellness firm. So I, that, that, okay. I was a bit clueless. I would say, <laughs> I said, what, what's a Trinidadian doing um, taking care of the hockey leagues? And I said, so I, I, and I actually worked with the union uh, that was based um, in St. Catharines, actually. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So, and they would, they were, trying to mentor young players. Of course, right. we know the East Coast, you know, that's, you know, you could be gone in a second, but the AHL, they kind of fostered. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this issue was huge because, you know, those guys, very driven, but they mm. got told when to practice, when to get up, when they had time yeah. off, all those yeah. things. So very hard workers, obviously. Mm. And, um, but a defined set of, subset of what they were going to do for a living. Right. And like, you're so right. Um, then like this dream, which is, it's every Canadian boy's dream to be yeah. able to go on and play hockey for a living. Mm. And you had to pivot immediately yeah. because of this knee injury. So how did you change that mindset? Because I think that's important. Obviously you've gone on and done big things since, but what, yeah. how did you change that? You obviously had a good mindset, in, in, in order to achieve a pinnacle of hockey, which I yeah. know how tough that is, mm-hmm. but how did you pivot that state mm-hmm. to go from right. passion of hockey right. to, right. you know, experiencing something different? Well, for me, it was, as I said, I went through a, a time, it was probably in, you know, I'm going, I'm thinking back, it was probably in anywhere from four to six months um, that I really was in a free fall. I really didn't know what to do. I was, I was angry. Uh, I went through all the, all the typical things and, and you're certainly aware of them. I, I was very angry and why this would happen to me. Um, I, I took it out on, you know, on, on booze and, and, uh, and drugs and everything else. Um, and, um, and I didn't, I couldn't really come to terms with that. What ended up happening for me, um, there was a there was a, a point where, and it was probably the lowest point where I, I ended up, um, you know, in a, in a very uncomfortable position. And and a and a fellow reached out who knew me. Uh, he knew of me. He didn't even know me. He knew of me because of my, uh, you know, the reputation of being a professional athlete, and he knew who I was. And, he reached out and, and, and for whatever reason, I guess it was a timing thing for me. It was, it was time. And, and he basically said, listen, um, 
you know, don't, don't let that, you know, don't let hockey define you. You're, you're, you're far greater than that. And it's time you, you stop this. You need to now go back to Canada. I was, I was over in Europe at the time. You need to go back there and, and, you know, start. And actually I still use this term all the time. In fact, they're just building a program right now in the United States called next chapter. And he really, he really put that thing in the perspective about life being like a book and about it, it's, you know, it's broken down into chapters and some chapters are longer than others. Some are shorter. Um, I had a good run. I had a five year chapter and, um, you know, really lived a great life, great lifestyle um, through that. But it was time now to, to, you know, start a new chapter. And it was a, it was almost like an awakening. It was, I was in this fog for, you know, four to six months and through whatever the, the, not necessarily the way he said it, cause he's a very soft-spoken guy, but it was just, it was the timing I think for me. And it was just the way, you know, the way he kind of phrased it. And I thought, yeah, you know what, like, what the hell? Um, like it is time. I mean, it is time to, to move on. I mean, you have to accept it that that's it. You're never going to play hockey again. And that's, you know, that's it. And once I came to the realization, and I, as I said, with, with help, I probably should have got clinical help. Um, but, but, you know, and I will tell you back in that time, um, you think depression, everything's a stigma today. Um, I mean, back in my day, I mean, you would never, I, we, we would, I would, I can tell you right now, I had at least four concussions that knew, nobody knew about because you just, you know, I mean, you didn't talk about that stuff. You just, you know, you went to, or I, I was walking around. I can remember walking around my apartment for, you know, for two days straight, um, not being able to sleep or anything like that. Cause my headaches and everything like that, popping pills and everything like that. And now when I think back, obviously, yeah, I mean, no question about it. They were concussions, but they weren't diagnosed or anything back then. So mm -hmm. it was a little bit different than it is today, but, but, you know, I, I just, I was able to, to get that, whatever, whatever happened then it was like the turning point where I got the help. Um, for me, it was just a, you know, a simple kind of a guy having a, a short conversation with me, but it really resonated. And then I was able to very quickly uh, turn things around. And, and as, as kind of the world unfolds as it should, um, once I did and I came back, um, you know, I had people reach out and say, you know, what are you going to do now? There's opportunities. I was introduced to the advertising world and, um, and the president of the agency, which was a big hockey fan. So um, I was just, you know, I just found my next chapter very quickly after that and, and uh, you know, went on to, you know, have a 25-year career in that one. So really, it's, you know, it's about um, having the right mentor at the right time and adjusting the mindset to recognize that, like, you're right, it's, there's a, stories have a beginning, middle, and an end. Yeah. Um, so the context was that you were privileged and really could shift yeah. the mindset to see it as such. And sure. then be able to go on and, and then say, okay, internally, what am I about? What's, what's Stephen Clark about? Yeah. And then find passion yeah. elsewhere. Obviously you found passion in one arena and then you For went sure. on and obviously found that passion elsewhere. Sometimes, Absolutely. you know, some people are able to kind of leverage quickly. And what we know, you know, yeah. in your case, it was, it sounds like it was more situational depression. Then you kind of found the right people. Yeah. And that's what that's we right. know, right? If when we're having a tough time, we've all been through, I mean, to have lived means you, you have experienced uh, things in your life it's sometimes surrounding yourself by the right people and then before you know it's you know that kind of buffering I call it um, gets yeah. you to the point and says okay well this too will pass and before you yeah, know it absolutely. something else which is sounds kind of yeah. what 
um, what yes. happened. So tell us a little bit about, um, now you're going to be speaking of the Authentic Connection Movement, which was, we're so privileged that um, mm -hmm. you were able to come on board. And I think mm -hmm. you're going to be able to speak to such an amazing, you're going to be speaking about millennials. And I often say that millennials get a, a tough go, right? Because they are defined, now they're interviewing us about why they should give us their capacity or their gifts yeah. and, and invest in, in our firms, right? They yeah. come with a different, whereas I think of my first job, Stephen, when I got a job, it was like, <laughs> all right, yes, sir, no, sir, how yeah. long and what do you need from me? And, yeah. you know, our management styles and what we were accustomed to back then was so different when I got my first job in, you know, in the, in the late 80s. Yeah. So now when I sit right. across from a young person and they're saying, well, I'd like work-life balance. This is my passion. Um, yeah. This is what, what are you going to do differently for me? And how are you going to ensure that I'm, I'm, I'm stimulated and could be creative? And I'm like, whoa, this is a bit different. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, stuff that I learned in, in you know in my my mid forties, they're <laughs> kind of coming out the gate. You know, yeah. defining a different situation. Tell us a little bit about um, what you'll be speaking about and what you focus on uh, now with millennials. Right. So our so I created um, kind of came out of retirement. I, I uh, after selling and, and doing a stint with um, with with Sachi and Sachi actually. Um, we, my wife and I went down to Scottsdale and we, we kind of decided we were looking for what we would do next, our next chapter. And, uh, and of course all the ex hockey players are down there. So I was able to reconnect with a bunch of guys. And, um, uh, but when we, we really couldn't figure out what that was going to be. I was really, I was really, um, uh, I've always been asked by all my mentors, uh, funny enough, and, and some, I've had some big ones, Stephen Covey, uh, Brian Tracy, Tony Robbins. They've always asked when we're, you know, especially when we're starting, like, what is it that you uh, would like to see on your tombstone? Hmm. I mean, I, first of all, I hate that question, but anyway, yeah. um, you know, it's just like, I don't want to talk about that, but <laughs> I used to instinctively say that he made a difference in the world. That, that, that's what, if anything else, that's what I would like to be remembered for. Mm -hmm. And of course, they challenging you, of course, they would say, you know, have you? And, uh, and again, instinctively, I would say, well, yes, I have. I've, I've always contributed to charities. I've been on the boards. I mean, I've done this. And yes, I have. But always, every single time, there would be something inside of me saying, it was literally, I could almost hear it saying, yeah, but you can do more. You, you can do more. And, um, and so, you know, I, I dismissed that back in the day, you know, because I was busy doing all these other things. But now this little voice was back again saying that you can do more. You can truly make a difference. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't really figure what, uh, what that was. And, um, and so we traveled around a bit and did, did a few different things. And um, I was speaking a little bit uh, with Brian, Tracy, and a few other people and uh, realized that that wasn't really going to be it. Uh, came back and so I went to my mother, as we often do. And I said, Mom, like, what would you like me to do? And my mother, she's just, she's a character. She say she said to me, "Well, I I I'd like you to end homelessness." I said, "Oh, uh, okay, end homelessness. Um, well, that's a big <laughs> that's a big plus." I said, I'll "Tell you what, I'm going to do. I'm going to build a homeless shelter, uh, and I'm going to put your name on it. I'm going to leave a legacy for you." And of course, that obviously made her really happy. And uh, so on the way home, my wife had reminded me that, um, and by the way, I've been studying millennials for 15 years because I've always studied future trends. And 
she reminded me of two things. She, number one is every time I was on the board of a charity or a nonprofit, I used to say, guys, we need to change our model because we're not offering enough transparency, which is something millennials insist on. Um, and we're not making it enough about the people who are writing the checks, who are giving us the money. And we need to be a little more creative and, and, and come up with a new model or at least change the current one. Of course, I always was, that was met with resistance. Well, this is the way it's done. Um, we've always done it this way and we've raised billions of dollars and blah, blah, blah. You hear all that stuff. And, and so now I was in this position where I was going to build a homeless shelter and um, there was really only one model available and that was to go out and basically beg for money, tell them I had a great cause. And, and so I decided at that time, this is almost three years ago, that I was going to build a new model around giving. And it was going to be um, built on the future and really built on the, the needs and wants of the millennials and the Zeds, because I was already studying them. And so we built this new model and we launched, uh, you know, two and a half years ago, a company called RTG Group. RTG um, it stands for Receiving Through Giving. And the model was, is all built around ensuring that every touch point, every single person wins more than they put in and we offer full transparency but unlike the new models of today it's not necessarily disruptive because it's very collaborative so some of our part our, our charities right now or our biggest partners are actual charities where we work together so one of the things i'm going to talk about is um the the need for collaboration the need to understand the millennials better first of all i love the millennials i think their 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 mindset is great i know that that there are two different types that people talk about when they talk about the narcissistic and the you know self-serving and they do this and it's all about them and blah 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 there's also another you know, the other side to that is where 62% of graduating students today want to become entrepreneurs. There's this entrepreneurial passion, um, which millennials have and Zeds have it coming up now. And this is a, this is a great thing because this is wonderful. Um, you know, they do leave jobs every two and a half years, but you'll notice that they don't leave jobs like Google or Facebook or, you know, those companies, they don't leave those every two and a half years because they're engaged and those companies make it about them and they do the things necessary. So, you know, our model is really working with companies and helping them millennialize their organizations, but at the same time doing good, giving back, building stronger emotional connections with brands. And so those are the types of things that we're, we're going to talk about. And also the, the fact that in North America, um, you know, we have close to 50 million people that go hungry every day, um, which I think is just, blows me away every time I hear it. Um, we can do something about that. We need, to, we need to put an end to that because quite frankly, food, uh, water, and shelter are three fundamental you know, necessities that everybody um, not only needs, but should have. And so we want to, our, our mission over the next, over the last chapter probably of our life, 
now will be to ensure that that happens. And certainly we'll start in North America, but we plan to take it at global. And, um, and that's what RTG is all about. And that's what we'll be talking about that and how kind of coming, overcoming some of these things, because now we are focused on our, our homeless shelter, which will start hopefully in the spring of next year. We'll actually um, start uh, digging um, for that. So that's kind of an exciting project too. So lots, lots of interesting things to talk about and, and get feedback from and be able to share stories with people. What an amazing thing to be able to, what a smart mom, <laughs> uh, to be able to see that legacy, right? But because you're so right, like, um, you know, myself growing up in the Caribbean, you know, I didn't see the poverty as we did, but in a different way. And my parents always, we would go and, you know, you know, they would call it the poorhouse back in Trinidad, but they would, you know, we would cook meals and then we would put things together and they would take us and we would hand them out. Yeah. And when I, I worked with the Metro Toronto police as part of victim services back in 19 goodness, 90. And, um, you know, at that point, again, coming from a small island, it's a different context and then going to Toronto, you know, and, um, seeing people in the cold, right. And having to, you know, get them off the streets. Um, and then we couldn't find, we could back then, Stephen, in 1990, 1989, we couldn't find spaces mm. for people way back then. So like, I mean, what a gift, um, that you'll be giving to Toronto because, mm. um, you know, and, and then, then, you know, there was defined, it has to be this person. And then we couldn't, we, oh. we barely find shelters for males. Yeah. For some reason we could find it for females, but not for males. Mm. And we would kind of try to do our best to be able to, you know, place people. It's a freezing sub-zero temperature. So yeah. to be able to give that to Toronto, what, what, mm. what an amazing, amazing, uh, give back, um, that, um, hopefully that will be something that will spurn people to want to do more, more of those um, acts of kindness. Yeah, I think that that's what, that's the objective. Obviously we we're not doing this um, alone. Obviously we're, we're now building a big team. We're actually launching in the States next month um, in New York would be our first office. Um, and, and so we've got a lot of people now and, and the model, um, you know, for the first couple of years, really almost actually for the first two and a half years since we started, has been really been misunderstood. So, you know, we get lumped into charity and in, in all these different things. Uh, now, all of a sudden, it's starting to get understood. People are reaching out to us. Other charities are reaching out to us and saying, you know, you have this model that offers full transparency where, you know, where every, every single dime is going. And you have also a model where you can give back to every donor far more than they're, than they're putting in. So they're winning more than they put than they're, than they're uh, you know, they, they win more than they put in. So we would like to partner up with you if there's a way for us to win as well, which of course there is. So now we're building some really great programs. One of them, which we're really excited about, and we'll be, we haven't really announced it officially, but we will next month probably, is called Second Chances, which is, uh, which is in partnership with, set with uh, John Howard Society. And we're taking formerly in, uh, incarcerated people and we're giving them full sales and marketing training by some of the top trainers in Canada. Uh, they'll be obviously selling our program into, into the corporate world, our team building, but they'll get this certified program and then recruiting companies will help them get jobs. And through selling our program, they'll also, you know, graduate, so to speak, after the 30 days. 
and they'll be making money through because we'll be feeding people and we'll be able to give some of that back to them as well as to John Howard. So we're creating these programs now that be able to reach out and make a difference in a whole bunch of other things. And somebody said to me when I was speaking recently, imagine, you know, five years from now when our projections are to be feeding five million people uh, a month, um, which is which I know will hit. Um, you know how great that will be, and and somebody else said, yeah, but well, that will be great, and no doubt about it. But the greatest thing is, this company will be you know building homeless shelters, putting kids through school on scholarships, helping people formerly incarcerated people, helping the vets in the states. I mean, all the other programs, creative programs that we can create. Um, is really is really special, and I don't know of anybody else right now who's doing it. So we're you know we're pretty excited about it. So give me um, you know you and I have chatted a little little bit about this. So when you go into a company, tell me how how you when you go in and they they're interested in partnership. Tell me yeah. what what how you kind of um, pitch to them. I mean I don't think there would be much of a pitch from what you're telling me because you're saying yeah. you know that you're going to help out. You're going to feed you know your projection is five million Canadians a month. Yeah, we're well. No, no. So we'll we'll feed um, our our five year projections now are five million north between five and seven million North Americans per month. Okay. Uh, okay. In Canada, will probably be about a million. Okay. Okay. Um, which is about what we have. So that's about thirty million meals a month. Yes. Um, but when we go, funny enough, we we would go into a company and say that if we went into a company, this is the whole misunderstanding of the model. So if we went and we did when we first were starting and we went in and saying, this is what we're doing. Isn't this great? And the company would say, yeah, that, that's great. But you know, that's, that's great. But thanks. But we give to princess Margaret or we give to sick kids. So um, yeah, no, thanks. Mm -hmm. And we'd say, Hmm, okay, well we screwed that up because really what we do um, is really got nothing like the benefits are of our program. Um, is really what we need to be selling. And of course, this is back to, you know, proper marketing and educating and everything else. So now what we do is we go into a company, uh, we would go in and say, Roxanne, here's, um, we have a program that is going to help you improve your corporate culture. It will help you attract and retain millennials, and it will build a stronger emotional connection to your brand. If you're interested in any of those things, we'd like to set up a meeting and talk to you about how we right, do that. Right, right. So what's That's in it what for them? Do. So you just, you just talked about them. Uh, versus saying we want something from you, these exactly. are the benefits. These are the it's a win-win. Sure. The, the 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 relevance uh, of how is very low on the totem pole. You gotta always push. I mean, Apple was great at this, right? It's they talk about all the benefits and everything, and then at the end is, hey, you want to buy a phone, right? Mm -hmm. I mean. It's not about the phone. It's about all the things that it can do. The magic, right. the, the, the phone, the, the camera, the this, the that. Look at all these great things. Oh, hey, buy, you want to buy one, right? Right. So we do, we're doing that now. Um, and so we really focus on that. And we know that our team building program, which is what we do, uh, which is how we do it. The how is we go in, we divide them up on the teams, we set the goals, we get them all working together, and we challenge each team to see which team can feed the most. And we have this, you know, over two, three, uh, three week period, uh, we have this challenge, and they trash talk each other and go back and forth, and then there's a, you know, there's a, there's a final, you know, absolutely make it fun. They're engaged. There's, there's nothing yeah. the millennials like better than being engaged. And at the end of the day, for example, in this program um, we have called Graduate Debt Free, we go in, which we're actually just launching, uh, we launched last week in Kitchener, 
Um, we're talking, we had a conversation with the mayor there, and we're, so we're very excited about that. But so any company that does our program, we go in, we do this. If they feed more than 500 people, we then put a full scholarship in their company thing. So now, not only have they fed, you know, five, six, seven, however many they fed, now they get a full scholarship. And by the way, our algorithms will pick it up so that if they're a web development company, the person who's going to get that scholarship will be web development so they can also work there as an intern in the summer. But now their employees take great pride in the fact that they were the ones that now are feeding, you know, 700 people mm -hmm. a month, which is 21,000 meals uh, every month. They're the ones that got that person a scholarship. It wasn't just the company writing checks or whatever. It was right. through their efforts, through their engagement that they went out and they made this happen. Mm -hmm. Now, all of a sudden, when they're out having drinks with their friends and everything, they're talking about their company and the things that they did. And isn't it cool when we look at this, here's a picture of the person came into the office and I took a picture with them and they're going to, you know, Waterloo or wherever. So all of a sudden there's that engagement factor. And that is how, how you will keep millennials longer than their two and a half years what they currently stay because you need to engage them. They need to be proud about where they work. Right. Tell me it's not how about you, the paycheck. What an amazing, how did, did you come up with this? Did, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. I, I came up like, with it and people often ask me, they say, well, you know, how did you come up with this? Well, yeah. I've had a lot of experience, first of all, in, in the corporate world. Uh, right. and, and I had a lot of it as an entrepreneur. So I was always, my, my title was always a creative business strategist. That's what I did. Mm. I always took, and in, in the advertising world, it's a crazy world where all these creative ideas and you have to kind of get them back down often to what we call the one word equity. Um, and so that because our, any campaign is always built around that, it's always got to kind of go back to that. So I was always very kind of very good at that. And, um, and then like years and years of experience in the, in the charity world on the boards and going mm -hmm. through all of this stuff and looking for that. So as I, as I decided to create this company and this new model, all it was, was I, I just sat down and said, okay, every touch point, every single touch point in every program that I build, I can't finalize the program until I can actually see that every person is going to win more than they put in. Whether it's the company, whether it's the person buying the food, you know, no matter what. Um, and that's why actually why we became, became a for-profit social enterprise, because we couldn't be a charity or nonprofit and do some of the things that we uh, wanted to do. And also, we needed to make sure that our employees were going to win and any investors or anything like that were going to win because it had to be every touch point. So that's why we created it, and um, and that's how it ended up. Wow. And, you know, we we tweaked it a lot, you know, two and a half years to get it to where it is today. Um, but yeah, it it was basically born out of a lot of experience and just knowing that this was needed in this in this uh, space. Well, I'm I'm excited uh, to hear you speak on the 22nd because I think. The model like this is innovative. We're always trying to, you know, in this world, like, I mean, obviously we're talking about authentic leadership, yep. and about being uh, collaborative and connected. You know, I think in today's world, you know, we, we still see so many examples of people doing it poorly and not to name anybody, but, yeah. um, you know, and if we can make a difference, um, you know, it's wanting to give yeah. back and make a difference. You know, if you've been privileged, uh, you know, I feel the same way. In, in kind of the things that I, the path that I've taken in my life too. Right. And to be able to help anybody that 
um, with having Brian Cuban come in to be able to, yeah. again, talking about privilege, he comes from, yeah. you know, a privileged situation, but him too wanting to give back as an, now a social advocate for people around um, mental health and addiction and to really Absolutely. talk about what companies can do um, because we know that, um, you know, mental health or addiction has no socioeconomic preference. It, 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 it hits across the board and uh, be able to share his story, which is, is quite riveting when you listen to it um, yeah. about, you know, what kind of things people can actually do. Sometimes yeah. simple, consistent, yeah. small things to make a difference. Like you said, your mentor mm -hmm. made a difference. Right place, right time. Absolutely. You those words, like you said, it may be that you need someone that's clinical, but oftentimes it may be the community that you're in to feel we know that when people get feel disconnected, we get stuck in our thoughts and we get stuck yeah. in our thoughts. Our brain yeah. takes us back to spots to make mm. us feel safe. And yeah. that connection does the opposite. And when, they, and when you get to the space of giving, you get out of your space of depression and, yes. and in helping someone else, that becomes like an invisible circle that allows yeah. you to feel better, right? Just yeah, being, no, absolutely. You know, absolutely. I think one of, the, one of the greatest things for me and what really changed my life um, and it's still today, every single day I live this is, is that I can all, I always look for ways to make it better. Like yeah. everything I do, it doesn't matter what I, I'm never content. I know it can always be better. The Japanese obviously have a phrase, the constant never ending improvement. And I really buy into that. I always think that we can be better. Um, we should always be working to do that, whether it's in relationships or business or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. And I think by, um, by, you know, by doing that and being able to reach out and help people, um, we also help ourselves. And, and again, that's where the whole um, receiving through giving. It was funny, I, I, I joke with my mom. And the reason I call it receiving through giving was because my mom used to say, and of course, we were very poor. We had nothing, um, but because I was a gifted athlete, uh, I used to kind of get you know, hang around with the wealthy people, and I'm thinking, yeah, I'm good. one day I'm going to have this, right? And my mom used to say, no, no, it's always better to to give than receive, mm. you know. And I look at her like, what are you freaking crazy? <laughs> like, like all, I tell you what, and I used to say to my mom all the time when I was a kid. I remember, I tell you what, mom, when I have it, that's when I'll give it right? Mm -hmm. I'm focusing on getting it, right? And she'd say, no, no, no. And this is a, a little lady who had no money. I mean, a rough life. And, and she'd say, no, no, it's always better to give and you give and you'll receive. And so I joked with her after she, she said this and I came back about two weeks later and I said, okay, I'm going to start a company and I'm calling it RTG group. And you know, what do you think that stands for? And she's like, I don't know. It's a, it stands for receiving through giving. Because somebody taught me <laughs> that you get more by giving. And right. uh, yeah, so, so she was what, quite taken with that. So. Which is so true. And you hear about tithing or giving, right? Or yeah. help, helping, helping. It's such yeah. an invisible thing that creates a synergy in the world. Absolutely. You know, and then it, yeah. it, it creates flow um, that yeah. allows so many powerful things to happen. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, by the way, the millennials get a, a really bad knock on that. And it's not that they don't want to give and make. In fact, they'll probably go down in history. I, I predict 100 years from now, we'll look back and the millennial generation will go back in history as the generation that really focused on making a difference in the world and actually did that. But what they want is transparency. And we've set up, yeah. you know, we've set up these, these mega companies um, that really 
have it have a very difficult time giving that transparency and so mm -hmm. they just demand that and that's why we set up our company so we could say here's where every cent goes right and right. when we had our focus groups which was just nothing but millennials we literally had a hundred percent say we love it i mean this is exactly what it needs this is the way it needs to happen so awesome. yeah, yeah. Awesome. That's we well, are. what a what a fantastic message. Now, Stephen, uh, for anyone listening that mm -hmm. wants to learn, um, you know, all these phenomenal things, or even to get involved, because I'm sure, it, I mean, as a uh, social enterprisers need for um, a lot of assistance along the way, or if, if people just want to learn more about you, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and the different parts of of uh, your business, where would they reach you? Um, how do they get a hold of you? So, the, I mean, we're, we're rtggroupinc.com is, is always the best. Obviously, LinkedIn, I'm very active on in my profile. I accept everybody. Anybody can contact me there and all my personal information is there. Um, and and all, don't hesitate to reach out. Um, my email is sclark, C-L-R-K-E, at rtggroupinc.com send me messages, do whatever. Um, you know, we're all, we're always about helping. My wife has, has got immigrant women in business. I know you'll be talking to her later. She's got an unbelievable yes. group and she's got a bigger heart than I do, which is, which is fabulous. So we're always about helping others. And, and I think that's really how we get, you know, we get inspired and everything else by doing that. So yeah, don't hesitate to reach out. And I look forward to seeing everybody on the 22nd. We're going to be promoting it. We're going to have a lot of, uh, a lot of great people there and looking for, um, you know, be able to help a lot of people and just, you know, a lot of knowledge and, and learn from people as well so look forward to seeing everybody there well thanks a lot again Stephen. and so if, if anything i've learned today which is <laughs> the symbol is receiving before through giving so Re the more that RTG, we, re RTG. receiving through giving receiving it's all about giving. receiving through giving the more you give the more you get and you know i think that sometimes we hear that and we say oh yeah really is that true yeah uh, and I kid people because I say, you know, it took me 15 years to build up a business where we were doing, you know, 50 million a year. And now in seven years, we'll do, be doing a business that's probably doing two and a half to three billion a year. Um, and the first business is all about making money. Wow. What an, what, a, what an amazing story. So for everyone listening, come out, um, meet Stephen. I'll be there too. Uh, Brian Cuban will be there. Um, and... Um, uh, you know, we'll be doing a networking um, event there too with CEO Space and Alina Chapman will be speaking. So looking forward to all the, if, if you've loved what you've heard today, there's going to be th this and so much more when you hear Stephen uh, speak on stage. And um, so if you need to get a hold of me, uh, you can go to roxanderhodge.com uh, forward slash authentic connection movement 2018. The link for the event is will be uh, right under uh, uh, the podcast, uh, in, in, you know, in the event page. And if you need anything at all, uh, please feel feel free to give me a ring. Okay, take care, everyone. We'll chat with you next week.